Why do you linger here when there is no hope? There is still hope. Tempted to think there's no hope for overcoming some of the challenges of modern life? Ask an elf. Or a hobbit. Tune in Tuesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. with Milo Lomesdown at your service and... Tani Tanuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf. For What Would Arwen Do? on KUCI Irvine, 88.9 FM and streaming live on KUCI.org. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. You are listening to KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, Orange County's alternative radio station, and quite possibly the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. Welcome to What Would Arwen Do? Broadcasting from UC Irvine, Tuesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. I am Tani Tenuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf. Welcome and my govanen to everyone listening, whether you are joining us live or online, and to my enduring and charming Hobbit co-host. Milo Lomesdown at your service, Elf Princess, and our audience is listening to the voice of the University of California at Irvine and the program What Would Arwen Do? KUCI 88.9 FM, streaming live, as always, on the Internet, that newfangled electrical thing, at KUCI.org. You can contact us with comments or questions or suggestions at askanelf at yahoo.com. That's A-S-K-A-N-E-L-F at yahoo.com. We would love to hear from you. And you can find podcasts and information about this show and all the public affairs programs of KUCI at www.kucitalk.org. You may also find podcasts of What Would Arwen Do? on iTunes. Simply search in the iTunes store for Arwen, A-R-W-E-N, and we will be one of the matches under the podcasts category. Wonderful. Thank you. It's always lovely to have someone giving us all the practical things because we elves tend to get lost in talking about the trees and starlight and moonlight and <laughs> things like that. And we hobbits, though very practical, love the musicality of the elves and their appreciation of God's green earth. And all things aesthetic. 
So if you are tuning in for the first time, you may be wondering what this show is all about. Well, if a Middle Earth elf lived today in Southern California, in Irvine to be more precise, what might her life look like? How would she as a modern elf celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures, things the elves care deeply about? Some people like to ask, well, what would Jesus do? And that is a very good question. But on this program, when challenges in life arise, or as the wizard Gandalf said to Frodo, questions, questions that need answering, we like to ask, what would Arwen do? Who was Arwen, you may be wondering? In J.R.R. Tolkien's Mythology of Middle-Earth, Arwen was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, a prince among elves and the lord of Rivendell, a magical place of healing, lore, and wisdom, perhaps not unlike the community here at UC Irvine. Arwen embodied the archetype of a true princess of the light, a beloved daughter of the universe like all the women of this fair celestial home called Earth, or an elvish Arda. In J.R.R. Tolkien's, um, I'm sorry, in Colin Durius's book, Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, A Guide to Middle-Earth, he wrote, in his invented mythology of Middle-Earth, Tolkien intended that his elves were an extended metaphor of a key aspect of human nature. This, quote, elven quality in human life was a central preoccupation of Tolkien's. Elves, like dwarves, hobbits, and the like, partially represent human beings. In Tolkien's mythology, elves represent what is high and noble in humans. In particular, they represent the arts in their highest form, work done in the image of God and his created world. And so, dear Hobbit, we love to celebrate all of the ways that the works of J.R.R. Tolkien are brought into the arts. There are so many. I know. Music, a theater, um, on the big screen, um, in performance, little live plays. There are um, parties. There Puppets. Are, there are um, uh, costuming events. Videos on YouTube and Legos. Legos coming this <laughs> summer. In fact, uh, I think there was something on Torn about the. They had some pictures. Actually, my computer at home would only show one of the pictures of the the Gollum Lego. Oh my gosh! Oh my have gosh! You seen it? Oh yes, I have seen the pictures, and they are. Those like aren't released delightful. or anything yet, though, right? No, you will be the first to know, Elf Princess. <laughs> I am keeping on top. You will be the first to know when Comic Con 2012 opens up for badge purchase. You will be the first to know the day that Legos go on sale for Lord of the Rings. All we know right now is summer. You will be the first to know when the Two Towers concert comes back to Orange County later this year, hopefully. That should be in October. It should be in October. And you will be the first to know where the principal premiere is of The Hobbit Part 1 on December 14th. Should be the big Newport, which here in Orange County, for our international listeners, hello and welcome to What Would Arwen Do, whether you're listening live or like my friend Martin does in Canada, listens on podcast, welcome to the show, thank you for listening, and our listeners will be the first to know where here in Orange County the big line party is going to be for The Hobbit Part 1 on December 14th, probably midnight. December 13th, if, I, if tradition is holding, yes, you will be the first to know, Elf Princess, because yes. I am tracking all these things. 
Well, I was at the line party. Uh, well, actually, we made a line party for the two towers at Big Newport last year. I was like the third person in line, um, and uh, we sang our own uh, Hobbit themed, uh, or not Hobbit, Lord of the Rings themed, Middle Earth themed Christmas carols, and Wonderful. kept out all day. They wouldn't let us. They wouldn't let people camp out overnight there that, for that particular event. So we got there first thing in the morning. We were all kind of circling the parking lot until they would let us bring our little chairs out. Um, and then, of course, for the Return of the King, I was at the gathering of about twelve hundred. Tolkien geeks in uh, Toronto. I am so green with envy. <laughs> so I wasn't at a line party for that one, but uh, I am looking forward. Uh, and I understand that they usually have a very big, well-organized line party at Irvine Spectrum. So that may be where the biggest line party is, although the Big Newport Theater is the biggest screen this side of the Mississippi. This side of the Mississippi, and it's a glorious place to yeah, watch. Will they be able to do ethics. 3D there? Oh, they're, they're state-of-the-art. Right. Oh. They just recently completed uh, a renovation of one set of their theaters. There's two sets of theaters mm-hmm. there. But the big Newport is designed for everything from 16 millimeter to 70 millimeter digital projection, 3D. Okay, you so name even it, on the giant they've got screen, it. They can do, they'll do Yay. <laughs> yay. So, yes, yeah, so we'll be seeing it in 3D. That will be something that we have not seen before. Although, I have to say, when I saw the Lord of the Rings movies, I felt at times like it was 3D because of the way that the animation was. I mean, when, you know, especially in the, in the Bridge of Casa Doom, that whole thing, and those things falling, the bridge falling apart, and it just it seemed like 3D this to me. seamless integration of Andrew Lesney's fabulous cinematography with Weta Workshop's brilliant miniature work oh. and animation was just thrilling. And, and really good, really good two-dimensional cinematography, really good th- two-dimensional cinematography will give you an, a, fi- a feeling of 3D. Yes. It happens once in a while. Yes. Certainly happens with Roger Deakins and so forth. Yes. Well, uh, we. Um, I'm very happy to announce, and I do also want to say a special hello to any of uh, to whoever's listening, whether you are listening live or uh, on the internet, and to my special friend Ro, who may be listening from down in Escondido, and uh, she's going to be off on some adventures. I'll be able to. She'll be up here uh, the end of February, so I'll get to spend a little time with the archers. And uh, any of um, my friends who might be listening from Torque, my favorite uh, Tolkien. TheOneRing.com. Yes, TheOneRing.com. A wonderful community. A wonderful community of uh, people. And, of course, we're all excited and abuzz about the the movies coming up. So let's get to some uh, Hobbit movie news. But before that, let's play a little bit of teaser music for our listeners, just to kind of get them in the in the mood here from uh, this from The Hobbit Far over the misty mountains cold The trees like torches blaze with light Oh my gosh, it's so great to sing along with that bass chorus. And of course that was music 
composed by Howard Shore, and we are so excited because you and I both are great lovers of the music of <clears throat> Middle Earth that has been created by Howard Shore, and I am so excited to see. I have to say that just the little bits that we got through the little two-minute teaser trailer was enough to make me excited to see what he's going to come up with as the music for Middle Earth for The Hobbit. I mean, it's just it, just that one song. Yeah. Makes me want to say Instant Academy Award for Best Score, Instant Academy Award for Best Song. <laughs> well, you know, that I'm sure is going to be one of the songs that will be being sung quite often oh, during yes. the line parties. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe we should have a karaoke, you know, so you can come closest to sounding like Thorin Oakenshield. But it's so wonderful how he starts off singing and then the other dwarves' voices yes. join in. Yes, that's And someday to great. hear a choral group singing that, wouldn't that be amazing? Well, if... If tradition holds, there will be Hobbit concerts in the future. Well, before we get to our guest, and just uh, in case you're just tuning in, I hope you will stay with us for the full program because about 425, 4.30, Evan Simon from the Ecology Center is going to be calling in and talking to us about uh, all the great things that they're up to at the Ecology Center and yeah. a is workshop. Is that the one in San Juan Capistrano? San Juan Capistrano. Wow. And they also very often do workshops right over here at the Center for Living Peace, which we love. Of course, we elf, elves love anything uh, that's helping to promote peace, peace in our world, peace in our own hearts, peace with each other. And they always have great programs. Well, this coming Saturday, they're having a program on making dream catchers. So we'll oh, hear a little bit gosh. more hosted by the Ecology Center. So Evan will be calling in a little bit later in the program. So, But do you have some Hobbit news? Oh, my gosh. Uh, there's news? so much to cover, but I don't want to cut short Evan's time. Oh, so no, let's no. get he, to he, it. It's it's still, you know, we've got, we've got time. But... Uh, let's. What is going on with the moves now? Of course, since the last time we m- met, um, the uh, Golden Globes. No, the, the, the Golden Globes was the last time we met. But you, were, we weren't here last week. I played a podcast, and um, it was just the the day of the Academy Award announcements. That's right. That's right. And well, of course, we none, neither of us were surprised at some of the musical nominees. Well, obviously, you have to give a nomination for Hugo to Howard Shore. He does such great work. It's great music in the film and of the film, but it's great music by itself. And there are very few scores that can say that. Certainly not the artist, which won the Golden Globe. Although it was decent music, I found it to be a little bit too... Obvious. But in any case, yes, the Golden Globes, Sir Peter Jackson got a Golden Globe for producing Tintin, Best Animated Feature. And there's there's other Golden Globe news that maybe be a surprise to you. You may have heard of a hobbit by the name, not a hobbit, pardon me, an elf, elf princess, an elf, by the name of Figwit. Remember Figwit? Oh, yes. Figwit in The Lord of the Rings. And, and, and that was played by Brett McKenzie. Well, Brett McKenzie, as it turns out, is also going to be playing Lindir in The Hobbit, another elf role. Now, for those of you listening in that you may be wondering, what in the world would an elf be doing named Figwit? Which, Figwit was not his name. In the movie, he he does not have a name. He's not named. But he is. Right. Uh, he appears twice, once in the Council of Elrond. Right. And, once, and, and then again, when as Arwen is leaving Rivendell, which she never did, but as Arwen was supposedly uh, leaving with the other elves and, and traveling west, and she uh, turns back and he says, you know, we can't, cannot delay my lady. And some fans thought he was quite charming, and they said, uh, Frodo is great, but who is that? 
<laughs> and that's where the acronym F-I-G-W-I-T, Frodo is Great, Who is That?, became the name of the unnamed elf Figwit. There who you is are. Now Lin, who is actually Lindir. So that's who. Yes. That's how an elf came up with the name of Figwit. Wonderful. Well, the actor's name is Brett McKenzie, and he is an Oscar nominee for ah. Best Song. What song, mm-hmm. you may ask? Well, he helped write the song Man or Muppet for the movie The Muppets. Really? That's one of the song nominees. Isn't that charming? That is charming. I did not know that. And um, I think a lot of us are very excited that he's going to be, because uh, he has such an elvish look. Oh, yes, uh, he that does. That he will be back in the Hobbit movies. And have you been on his website at all? Because he no, he, is, he does quite a lot of interest, very interesting things involved in music and acting and all kinds of things. You might want to check him out. He's really quite an accomplished uh, accomplished guy in the areas in, in various areas obviously in music since he was just nominated for an academy award right uh, but also in acting and i would imagine that his um his career has probably taken a little upswing so on the hobbit movie probably the biggest news was out of park city utah what's that you may ask well that's where the sundance film festival which ah, was created by robert redford yes. the great actor mm-hmm. and sometime producer and director well, there's a two-minute video where Peter Jackson's being interviewed at Sundance, and he is explaining the link between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit movies and The Lord of the Rings movies. And it turns out that when it comes to The Hobbit, change is not necessarily welcome in some quarters, but oh. speaking with NB- MTV News at the Sundance Film Festival... Sir Peter explained that it was always his intention to keep The Hobbit tonally and visually consistent with The Lord of the Rings films. And he says in this two-minute video, he says, quote, The Hobbit is not as much of a children's work, but we wanted to keep some humor in it, end quote. And the reason why he's there at Sundance, in case you didn't know, is he's the producer of a documentary on the three now men that were accused of yes. killing some boys Have and they were unjustly yes. unjustly imprisoned the the mechanisms of justice were not served so he's the producer of that but getting back to hobbit philippa boyens adds some more from an interview she did in the la times she says quote the story is very much a children's story so deciding how to tell this was one of the first things we had to do it is very distinctly different tonally to the Lord of the Rings until the very end, and then you begin to see the world of Middle-earth opening up. Apparently, end of quote, apparently the key to keeping the two separate in the minds of viewers was focusing on what makes The Hobbit different from Lord of the Rings instead of what makes them similar. Another quote from Philippa, quote, we felt that it is the same audience who will come to see the films, and then you start to worry because it is easy to repeat yourself. It is quite a similar journey. You're going from the Shire to a large, dangerous mountain, end quote, she said. So the screenwriters have emphasized and worked Elf Princess on trying to make sure it's a different experience. And when we saw the cinematography and the feeling of the Hobbit two-minute teaser trailer, I think that was pretty clear. Well, I hope also, um, because yes, indeed, it is very similar in the sense that you have a Hobbit going to a big, dangerous mountain. Um, and also the how the the change of the character, you know, Frodo goes from being you know just a little lad coming out of the Shire, and the same thing with Bilbo. Bilbo has to be transformed into a burglar. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, Evangeline Lilly, as we know, is playing the the elf role, right in in the Hobbit movie. Mm-hmm. She is playing a warrior elf, 
as it turns out. Oh, right? yes, yes, we love Warrior Elves. And I'm Toriel. Yes, Toriel is Toriel, the character's which name. Which means Daughter of the Forest. And so Matt McDaniel of Yahoo.com Movies, uh, had, there's a link there to audio, so you can listen to her talking about ah. this. And he talked to her about her work on The Hobbit, and she said that preparing for that role was different from anything else she's ever done before. Quote, I'm a fairly spontaneous actor. I like to keep things fresh and real and alive, and therefore I don't do a lot of prepping. End quote. But she told Matt that it was J.J. Abrams, the co-creator of Lost, for which she is most famous, and director of its first episode, by the way, uh, he is the one who told her the art of letting go. The ah. art of letting go. A very important phrase, I think, Elf Princess. Evangeline Lilly continues, quote, I think I was overstudying like an eager student, student when I first started on Lost. Working on The Hobbit, though, has radically changed how I ready myself for a role. I can't just be spontaneous because there's nothing natural about being an elf. <laughs> there's nothing natural about being an elf, she says. She continues, it's not human, so I have to study to learn what it means to be this other creature. She has to be trained to walk and talk and fight like an elf. So on top of my strunt, stunt training, which I need to learn how to be proficient with a bow and arrow, yes. yay row, yes. <laughs> and with daggers and in fighting orcs that are, you know, 10 feet tall, I also have to learn the language of elvish. And I have to learn a received pronunciation neutral English accent for when I speak English. She has spent four times as much time preparing as I do actually shooting. <laughs> so that's Evangeline Lilly on the roll. I should mention to our uh, fans, by the way, our, our listeners, that if you go to my favorite website, mm-hmm. thewondering.net, for news and yes. and uh, little And it, I will say that that, that that Torn is just exceptional with regards to staying up on every little thing from any little article to clips to things. That, that's the place to go to. And they cover the waterfront of games, theater, yes. movies, right. books. Everything. Yes. There is new photos of what the Lord of the Ring Lego sets are going to be looking like this summer when they're released. So that's yes. something to go to. The OneRing.net is the URL. And there's another URL I'd like to share with you today, Elf Princess. Yes. www.lotrproject.com. What is that, you may wonder? Well, a Swedish chemical engineering student by the name of Emil Johansson has an amazing passion project. He developed mapping out the entire genealogy of everyone in Tolkien's Middle Earth. Oh, cool. And when you go to this website, you see a massive genealogical family tree for all these characters. Elves, kings, now, if only I would have found this men, before I had to do it all myself dwarves. in my books. So what's the name of this website? L-O-T-R yeah. Project. Dot com. Oh, LOTR project. Okay. And cool. it's wonderful. There's statistics about how many things. And he says it's a continuing project. But as he was interviewed in Time magazine, he says, quote, I've traced 646 characters so far. Wow. 646 characters. Now, uh, okay. Which is just an indication of how rich the Lord of the Rings is. Well, it's not only an indication of how rich the Lord of the Rings is, but it's also very interesting because when you, about how many names Tolkien had to come up with, because when you consider that many of his major characters had a change of name, several, they had several names that they were known by, and several times that their names were changed. You know, even Aragorn, you know, Strider, 
Elisar. Uh, <laughs> that's um, right. That's and of course, right. Gandalf Baron, is, you know, uh, is Mithrandir, the gray, the gray rider, the gray, the gray pilgrim, the gray pilgrim. Yes. Right. In the in the south, he was Incanus, um, yes. Mithrandir, Gandalf, and um, trying to oh, I can't believe that it escapes me. What his name was in the far west? I think that would may have been uh, Mithrandir. No, that was with the Galadriel. Anyway, but it's it's one of the things that was very challenging for me when I very first started reading the Silmarillion was that very thing, trying to keep track of who was who, especially when their names were changing. And he does the same thing with places. You know, they something happens at a place and his name gets changed to something else. It's very interesting. So six hundred plus characters uh, in this genealogy tree. Lotrproject.com. One final thing: uh-huh. if you go to HeroComplex.latimes.com. That's their movie news sub-website. Andy Serkis has a good interview, including part of it is on his performance of Gollum, where he says, Gollum is, quote, printed into my DNA, end quote. <laughs> so he actually feels, you know, a part of it. On, on doing the voice, he said, quote, I think my vocal cords are so thrashed that I don't really feel anything anymore there. During Lord of the Rings, I used to have to drink tons of what we call golem juice, which was lemon and honey and ginger. And actually, when I went back to do The Hobbit this time to reprise the role, I did probably some more kind of systematically and sort of nostalgically get people to whip up a few bowls of golem juice, which I used to drink. But it doesn't really hurt, to be honest, anymore. <laughs> so, herocomplex.latimes.com is a wonderful, uh, has a wonderful interview with Andy Circus on a variety of topics. Um, what is that called again? Hero? Hero Complex. Hero Complex. Dot. Yes. LA Times. Dot com. And of course, the link to that, like just about everything I've mentioned, the link to it is from the One Ring.net, which is wonderful for news items and new happenings, just as the One Ring.com is a fabulous place for community and discussions and sharing. Right, and they have, uh, I think once a week, don't they have the five-minute Hobbit report or something like There's that? There's a five-minute video every week on the net called the Hobbit Movie Report. Well, let's hear the trailer again one more time, I, the, the song. I think that's a great uh, idea. Because I believe our guest may be calling in, and we will be back in just a few moments. This is KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM. You are listening to What Would Arwen Do? The misty mountains cold To dungeons deep And caverns old The pines were roaring Tell the truth to tell when you come back. Can you promise that I will come back? No. And if you do, you will not be the same. Wow. <sighs> Little teasers from... Great music and great dialogue. What more do you want from a film? <laughs> well, I don't know, but we ask a lot. <laughs> so, um... 
We have a guest today. I'm very excited. Welcome back to uh, this is What Would Arwen Do on every Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. where we discuss all things Tolkien and things that elves and hobbits and dwarves might be interested in. Um, things having to do with the earth and culture and community and art and uh, creative expression. And I'm very excited today, dear Hobbit, that our guest is Evan Marks from the Ecology Center uh, down in San Juan Capistrano. Uh, the website there, in case uh, while you're listening, if you're listening at home especially, and you have access to the Internet, you might want to go on and check out their website right now. It's www.theecologycenter.org theecologycenter.org and uh, we're going to be talking with Evan today about uh, several things. He'll be filling us in on all kinds of things that the, they're up to down there in San Juan Capistrano and uh, also for those of you who have listened very often, you know that we love the Center for Living Peace, which is right across the street, dear Hobbit. Right across the street from the university here in Irvine, California, and very easy to get to in a lovely, calming place of peace. Absolutely. It's right in University Center where uh, the uh, Trader Joe's and the Independent Edwards Theater is and 24-Hour Fitness. And, and Pete's Coffee. And Pete's Coffee. And they're nestled right there in the back and have always have wonderful things going on over there. Well, this coming Saturday, February 4th, from 1 to 3 p.m., they are having a workshop on making dream catchers. And their little uh, little blurb here about it says, one of the most beloved na- Native American neo-traditions, dream catchers, are said to protect sleeping children from bad dreams while letting the good ones pass through. And so it says, join us and learn how to make a dream catcher for someone special. And if wow. you want to check out their website uh, where you can uh, register uh, or call for information, they are at www.goodhappens.org or their phone number is 949-854-5500, 949-854-5500. So let's see if our guest is here. Evan, are you there? I am here. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Well, thank you so much for being who you are in the world and devoting your time and energy to all of the wonderful things that you folks are up to down there at the Ecology Center in San you're Juan Capistrano. Oh, could you tell could you tell our listeners just a little bit about you know what the Ecology Center is? Um, you're located on that beautiful piece of property down there with that big beautiful house. Could you tell us just a little bit about that and, and basically kind of what you guys are doing there? Yeah, we're an eco educational nonprofit, and our work is based on the premise that everyone can make a difference every day. Cool. So our programming is all about interactive hands-on sustainable solutions that can be applied at the household and community level. So that's sort of big level picture of who we are as an organization and where we are in San Juan Capistrano is located on an organic farm, South Coast Farms, within a historic farmhouse that's 130 years old. And wow. we've been able over the last three years to develop a very dynamic learning landscape that really speaks to sustainable living in a very tangible way. Uh, with me is my uh, Hobbit co-host, Milo Lomsdown, and uh, he looks like very eager to ha- ask you a question. <laughs> well, well, yes, I'm wondering what kind of potatoes you have on the farm. <laughs> we Hobbits love our taters. <laughs> well, we just actually harvested some potatoes, some uh, fingerlings, and some all blues. 
Ooh. Oh, delicious and beautiful. Um, and <laughs> I love my I've been down to the farm down there. It is lovely. You also, um, some of the things that you guys do down there include uh, showing people um, of the community or people that come to the center how to uh, have gardens around their homes and also how to keep bugs away and things like that doing using natural means. Isn't that correct? Yeah, we, throughout our facility, there's demonstrations on organic gardening and everything basically about sustainable living at the household level. And then there's programming that connects to that. So we have our backyard skills workshops, which talk specifically in different capacities around sustainability, whether it's, um, you know, integrated pest management and sort of non-toxic gardening, organic gardening. And, and there's others upcoming, like our uh, Dream Catchers workshop at the Center of Living Peace and uh, Fruit Tree Perning workshop coming up at the Ecology Center uh, at the end of February. So just a couple of... Uh, of those, but they're, they're rotating in there every month. Well, for um, for students or faculty or staff right here at uh, UC Irvine, because we're like about 40,000 people here on this little campus. We are our own little small small little city. Um, right. For students that might be listening in and wondering about this Dreamcatcher workshop, is this is this like an all-ages event? And could you tell us just a little bit about it? I, I myself have um, a Native American heritage, and I think my Hobbit co-host... Uh, I have one of my great-grandfathers, Navajo. Yeah, and I love the the beautiful, uh, the idea of the dream catchers because I believe we should all never give up on our dreams, um, the good ones. And so could you tell us just a little bit about what the workshop's going to be, who's leading it? And um, Yeah, we just, I, yeah, so we teamed up with Kelly and, and the Center for Living Peace Group back from the very beginning, and we host a hands-on interactive workshop every single months there and we're very proud of that this one as like all of them are really about bringing families together in a crafting sort of sense so the, this dream catchers workshop is hosted by gabriella Met, who's one of our team uh, members at the ecology center staff and it's really going to look at kind of in a simple way but just craft that it means something and i think that's always our intention with our projects at the center for living peace is just, it's an all-ages exploration. Kids can do it, adults can do it, and there's meaning all the way through. Right. So, well, what, so some of the, the nuts and bolts of it is where our trees, our fruit trees right now are dormant, so we're, some of the branches that we're burning off will be going into the dream catchers themselves. And then we've got chicken feathers and other sorts of assorted things that we've collected from our garden and from the farm. So I think it'll be sort of this eclectic, We'll see what happens. I'm sure everyone's will look different, and they'll all be worth. Um, they'll all be quite beautiful. Well, it, it was interesting. I went on Wiki, Wikipedia <laughs> to you know get a little background on the Dreamcatchers, and uh, it's actually a. Um, this practice of making dream catchers, they have they found relics that go back to 700 A.D. Uh, wow. and originated with the Sioux Indians, and and the concept was they it was I found it so fascinating because they used a willow branch, and originally they used a sinew to make the uh, the dream catcher inside, and the purpose of the um, the sinew 
and the willow was that it was not meant to last forever, but it was intended to dry out and collapse as the child matured and entered into the age of wonderment. Wonderful. And and these little dream catchers, though, were um, you know so the the people would make them and set them over the beds of the children with the intention that it would um, the good dreams would come through, the bad dreams would be caught in the web, and then as the morning light came, it would dissolve those bad dreams, so the children would have only good dreams. And I, I just, like yeah, I just thought that was so enchanting. And uh, apparently, it's become, you know, there's been neo traditions, you know, that have that have co- uh, come up as a result of, you know, this ancient tradition of dream catchers. Where, and I've seen dream catchers in in lots of places. And very often they're made. It says that they're made usually with the the willow or a branch that is bendable and uh, some type of, um, of course, you can use thread or any number of things. And but they put um, things that are special to the person. So, you know, like in the Indians would have used feathers and beads, but, you know, nowadays you could tie leaves on there. You could maybe tie some charms, you know, that are your favorite thing. Anything goes, right? Whatever your dream leads you towards. Yes. So we'll be, so uh, I'm assuming that for this workshop, you will have the materials available for people. Absolutely. And can they bring some of their own little special things if they think, oh, I'd like to incorporate this into my dream catcher? Much encouraged. Please do bring anything you'd like to add. And uh, with regards to the ages, so, you know, some children that are even, you know, only like, you know, maybe four or five years old are uh, pretty adept when they have someone instructing them on, you know, how to, to pull together something like this. So is it is it suitable for children of that age all on up through adult? Uh, absolutely. Especially, yeah, as long as they're uh, with parent supervision, they are good to go. Great. Well, thank you for that. I have to say that I've uh, been by a few times uh, to the workshops that you folks from the Ecology Center have done over at the Center for Living Peace, and I've always been so amazed that it is um, a very community, family thing. Like uh, the one one time I remember stopping by and you were uh, making s- uh, solar ovens. Yeah. <laughs> and baking cookies, I believe, in them. And here were the little kids, like four or five years old. They were so excited, you know, waiting for their cookies to finish baking in this oven that was completely made out of foil out in the, you know, in, in the patio there of the Center for Living Peace. Yeah, I mean, our goal is always to try to have fun in an interactive way. And the solar oven one has definitely been popular with the Center for Living Peace. Yeah, and now down at the Ecology Center, because I've been down there, you you guys actually have some, uh, like, special kind of ovens that you have built that are right outside of the building, haven't you? Yeah, we have a a cob oven or earthen oven that we do make pizzas and all sorts of special things with. Now, how is that fueled? It's fueled by by logs, firewood. Okay. And we we fire it actually what? It's it's earthen oven, so it's cooked by the the heat, the thermal mass of the clay, as opposed to the fire. So we fire it for three hours and let the fire burn out. Then we clean it, and then we cook from that heat of the earth. Wow, it must be delicious. Our guest today is Evan Marks of the San Juan Capistrano Ecology Center. Their URL, their web address is www.theecologycenter.org. And to find out more about the workshops they're doing at the Center for Living Peace, that web address is goodhappens.org.
Now, Evan, I noticed I was on the website, and you know, gosh, it would we need to have an hour or two to really talk about all the wonderful things that you guys are up to down there. But I do see that you have something coming up next Saturday as well, which is, I believe, going to be down in your neck of the woods in San Juan Capistrano about chocolate talk and tasting. Tell us a little bit about that. Wait a minute, chocolate? Yeah. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have a new exhibition within the Ecology Center. It's called Tools for Change. So it's a general store of everyday ecological goods. And from Tools for Change, we've created this new program called Tools of the Trade. And so Tools of the Trade is a free roundtable community-based dialogue that happens every month where we bring in experts around sustainability. This first one happens to be with Deanna Moore of a local or raw organic chocolate company by the name of Chocolatl. We've oh, had her on the program. That's right. I was looking at this and I thought, oh my gosh, Deanna Moore. Yes, we've, we've had her on the program. She, oh, their chocolate is the most amazing. She brought along some chocolate with her in that yeah. program. And, and again, people, if you want to if you want to hear the podcast of that, KUCI org. This this conversation with Evan Marks as well as the one with Deanna on Chocolatel is on our KUCI org website. So she she's going to be leading the the uh, the events at uh, next Saturday. Well, cho- yeah, exactly. Chocolate, you know, her chocolate is exquisite, but the complex process to get it to that stage. We often don't think about, so I thought it would be really fun um, for her to talk about what it means to bring, what, well, and I've grown cacao in, in Latin America, but it's, so that's another whole complicated step. But so growing the cacao beans, but then you, you cure in a certain way and then you process, and then you create this amazing treat called chocolate. Right. It's going to be a storytelling and tasting all around her exploration and product. So that one's going to be a lot of fun, as well as there's, so Tools of the Trade happens once a month, as well as on that day, the 11th, we're doing a kid's cooking class called Farm to Fork. And this special guest this week, uh, of that next week, is uh, Alyssa Fournier from Andre's Conscious Cuisine. So oh. she'll be cooking fresh scones and fresh jam with kids. And that so, is, uh, so the, the Chocolato is from? Uh, 1 o'clock. It starts at 1 o'clock? It starts at 1 o'clock. Okay. And, then, and the farm to fork will start at 10.30. Oh, wonderful. So you can come over and uh, find out about uh, veggie gardening. Let's see. Um, I'm reading here a little thing. Uh, small plate meals alongside professional local chefs. So they'll have a little breakfast, you know, some uh, pastries. It looks like she's a pastry chef, so I imagine there'll be some little pastries there. Mm, and, good. and then round it out with education and chocolate treats. What a wonderful day. What could be better? Sounds like a pretty good afternoon to me as well. Yeah, absolutely. And these are just two of the things that are going on down at the Ecology Center, down in San Juan Capistrano. Now, some people may be wondering, because here we are up in uh, Newport Beach, Irvine area, they might be thinking, oh my gosh, that's kind of a long ways, it would take so long to get there. But really, you're, you're even though you're in a lovely rural area, you're pretty... Uh, accessible. Um, about how far is it away from here, and how would, uh, is there in, uh, information on how to get down there? But I, it only takes like maybe about twenty minutes from up here, doesn't it? Yeah, we're about twenty minutes from here. Yeah, you just head down the five freeway and off at Ortega Highway, and you'll go uh, towards the west, towards Santa Point. 
Uh huh. And there's probably um, well, the, your full address is right there on the website where people can you know put punch into their GPS or their Google it or MapQuest or whatever. Or and, in uh, tune in their Toyota car. And the other thing is that uh, you're right next door to that big giant uh, organic farm, correct? Um, South Coast is it South Coast Farms? There's always something good happening down there, whether it's the farm stand, which is open every day, or yeah. for change, general store, any of our programming. So if it's uh, guaranteed, you will not be disappointed when you visit. Now, um, how many days of the week uh, is the Ecology Center open? I mean, is it open for people, aside from the uh, workshops that you have, is it uh, open for people to just stop in and, and take a little tour and see what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. We welcome people every day, but we focus our programming on the weekend. Yeah. Is, so is it open every day? or? Yeah, you're welcome to visit us. We definitely won't turn you away, but we encourage weekend traffic just because we have a little bit more uh, facilitation of programming and, and, uh, and dosage support. Right, right. Wonderful. Now, um, I know that you guys, I'm looking here on the website, are you still involved with that big water thing? Um <laughs> The big water thing? The big water saving. Juggy. What is it called again? His name was Juggy, and we, yes, oh, yeah. we built this big uh, installation that represented the amount of water that the average Southern Californian consumes every day. Right. And it was it was a monster. He was a water monster named the Juggernaut, or Juggy. Right. Yes. We ended up t- taking him down, but not before he got a National Design Award. So we placed first in a prestigious design competition. Uh, wow. We're very proud of. Uh, it's the Industrial Designer Society of America, a big idea award. So very proud of that. That was our water exhibition that we did with Hurley. And we've since expanded that program, and we have a mobile exhibition called The Watershed that travels to schools and events. So that's our next big project with Hurley H2O, as well as part of the Tools for Change exhibition. There's a whole piece called Connect the Drops, which is about water and many other pieces. So that was the beginning of our relationship, and it's expanded significantly since then. It's great. great that you're teaching the children about water, because water, which we just sort of all assume exists for those of us that grew up in the Midwest. It really just doesn't come out of a it tap. It doesn't <laughs> just out come out of a tap. It's It has consequences. Using water has consequences. Yes. I really appreciate you saying that. I don't think there's another important, more important issue, especially in our environment today. Well, I would say, Evan, uh, I'm very grateful to you, folk, because I have to say, before I checked out the what was it called, the Jugger Juggernaut, or Juggernaut, it, yeah. yes, and made a uh, a pledge at that time to re- reduce my the amount of water that I used, I really kind of felt like. You know, because you always hear people saying, there's a shortage of water, there's a shortage of water, so we have to do this. And I kept thinking, well, I'm not sure that there's really that much of of a shortage of water. But the thing that was the clincher for me that completely turned me around, which, and maybe I know at times, at times there definitely are shortages of water, was that apart from the whole issue of whether or not there's enough water, was the issue of when you just let water run through the sink, you're just running more water through, which has to go through more of the treatment plant which is, you know, just volumes and volumes of water just running through being treated, which doesn't need to be doing. So that's that's increasing the carbon footprint just by the very act of having, you know, running more, you know, water through the treatment plants. Absolutely. All these systems are intricately connected. And, you know, downstream has, a, you know, our actions upstream have effect downstream, of course, whether it's 
in energy use or even in contamination. And so, you know, another piece that we talk about this almost this invisible system is, is it called water footprinting. That even when we don't, it's not necessarily water going down the path that we're wasting and there's repercussions in our immediate community. It's the products that we buy also consume water in manufacturing and production. So understanding our lifestyle and getting kind of a grasp of that such that we're not wasting things, no matter what, whether it's water right. or anything, it all is connected back to that story. Right. Where if we're not wasting water in our community, we're wasting water in someone else's community, and most often it's China, where they still can't afford to waste water because it's becoming a extremely contaminated situation over there. Oh. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for all of the educational aspects of the Ecology Center. I, I, and thank you so much for devoting so much of your time and energy to these very important issues. You know, and you know, I can't help but believe that um, our future is in our uh, our kids' hands because when they get it, they really get it. And a lot of times, they're the ones that that will hold their parents. Uh, accountable, you know, hey mom, you know, why are we buying this bottled water when we could be, you know, getting a water filter and not have to do this, you know, and it, it's, it's amazing to me how many times I see the children actually making the, the difference in the families. Absolutely. I mean, it takes a culture, and so bit by bit, all of us are hopefully expanding on what it is around us such that it becomes richer. Yes. Can you share with us the hours on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday, that the Ecology Center is open? We are open from 11 to 3. With Those are our winter hours, 11 oh. to 3, Saturday and Sunday. Okay, great. And then, of course, on the weekends when you have special uh, programs, like, uh, you know, the, on the 11th where you be, we'll be opening earlier because the, pro, the program starts at 1030, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So we open early and stay late. That's our motto. Yeah. <laughs> well, would you give us uh, give our listeners one more time the contact information, uh, the email address, and the website, and so people can stay up on what you're doing over there. Yeah, our website is theecologycenter.org, and all of our events and information, contact, etc., are there. So please visit, sign up on our mailing list. Uh, every weekend, we've got something fun. So I hope to see you soon. Great, and thank you so much for uh, coming up and doing these workshops at uh, the Center for Living Peace this coming Saturday, the Dreamcatchers Workshop in March. There's going to be a uh, workshop that you're doing uh, on homemade cleaning products. And then in April, how fun a natural fabric dyes and tie-dyeing. So uh, you'll be here once a month right over here across the street at the Center for Living Peace. So thank you so much for that. And if you're listening, you can find out information about that at the theecologycenter.org or at goodhappens.org. So, Evan, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to come and spend some time with us. Oh, it was an honor. Thank you for having me. Now, um, are you going to be up here at the Ecology Center on Saturday? or? Absolutely. Oh, great. Well, I'll look forward to seeing you then. All righty. Okay, thanks so much, Evan. Alin Salalaman Amintiovo, star shines on the hour of our meeting. Talk to you later. All right, travel safe. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. And wow, that was just fabulous. Yeah. Every weekend, new programs, some activities, a lot oriented towards children, because really children are the driving force of change. Yes, and Evan's amazing. He's a he's a young guy, just full of energy, enthusiasm. He just radiates light. Uh, he, he also is a fellow, fellow yogi. He likes to do yoga, so I actually met him originally through a yoga community. Well, there yeah, you are. And his mom works down there at the Ecology Center, and uh, there's a whole host of people that... Um, some of them, were, you know, are 
um, employed there, but most of the people that are keeping everything going are volunteers, just like here at KUCI. Over 100 people here volunteering our time and energy to bring you uh, programming you won't hear anywhere else and music you won't hear. Uh, on your mainstream radio stations, at least. Music that is both beautiful and interesting and rare. Yes. Well, we are KUCI in Irvine. This is What Would Arwen Do? I am Tani Tanuvio, and my charming co-host... Milo Lomestown, at your service. Well, that's going to just about wrap it up for today. Oh, my gosh. It's it's all... Is it already an hour has passed? <laughs> it is. Now, um, we I know we cut short a little bit just because we wanted to make sure that we had enough time for Evan, but we have a couple of minutes if you have any other well. movie news. That you <laughs> 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 now, if you see me doing the little scissors yes, in the, the air scissors, because the, because the clock is behind the, you. The clock is behind me. I can't see it. Little, I don't care about little it. little treats that you can share with us, that would be lovely. Well, I urge our our listeners to search for the trailer cats on google uh they're actually a youtube channel where they have the trailer cats the trailer cats yeah. is a group of folks that use video editing to put cats heads cats faces into movie trailers and they've done this of course for the hobbit trailer oh my <laughs> and it's goodness. just hilarious so the the primary link to that again is on the one ring.net but to see all of their trailers the the trailer cats, as they're called, you can go to youtube.com slash user slash the trailer cats, and you will see some just delightful things. Very, very humorous. <laughs> well, I can hardly wait to see uh, when they're going to have, uh, um, because one of my fav- favorite things are those little, um, what are the little marshmallow things again? Peeps. Peeps, yeah. You know, of course, we had the Fellowship of the Peeps. Which, oh my gosh! If, if I've never seen, seen the Fellowship of the Peeps. You've never seen the Fellowship of the Peeps. You've oh got, my gosh! I've got to look at that. It's the whole story of the Fellowship. You know, going. You know, the whole thing with Galadriel, and they're all Peeps, and they've there, got their little costumes, and the Fellowship of the Peeps. Yes, you've got to see it. So many people that have <laughs> taken that two-minute teaser trailer and done clever things. We had the violinist and so forth. Another piece of news. Hobbit hopefuls flock to audition. Yes, you know, on January 28th was the big, the big Hobbit audition for extras, right? Thousands of New Zealanders swamped the Belmont Hall in Wellington on January 28th to answer the call for extras in The Hobbit. Production company 3 Foot 7 told 3 News, which is the channel 3 News there in their TV, that they expected 1,200 people, but there were thousands more. The swelling crowds caused problems for police who cut the audition short. Only 800 people, only 800 people, 800 people got through the door, leaving many an aspiring hobbit feeling shortchanged. Quote, basically, they just measure you, take your photo, and that's it. End quote, said Noel Havis. And it's not just pint-sized hobbits they were looking for. No, they need men and women with character faces, men with large biceps, and slim athletic types to play elves. So they're looking for all kinds of things. So wonderful, wonderful little news here. Again, I'll remind the listeners of the Evangeline Lilly interview. Very, very delightful. And what was the web address for that one again? Again, uh, insidemovies.ew.com. Entertainment Weekly did an interview with her as well. Okay. And what's wonderful is... (laughs) <laughs> in this, there's actually a little bit of a, a thing. One of the questions that Entertainment Weekly asked was, quote, does Toriel play a large part in the Battle of Five Armies? 
And Evangeline Lilly's answer was, oh, I don't know. We haven't shot that yet. I still have to go back for five more months of filming. Quote, how many months have you been there already? And she answers, on and off for the past six months. It's a two-year shoot in total for both films, and my contract had me blocked off for about a year. I come in and out of New Zealand throughout that year. Has the experience of shooting in New Zealand compared to the multiple years you spent in Hawaii shooting the TV series Lost? And Evangeline Lilly answers, quote, In some ways, it feels really familiar. I'm from Canada, and New Zealand feels like you took all the best bits of Canada and squished them onto a tiny island like Hawaii. I was absolutely blown away by the beauty of the South Island. I seem to be landing really great locations on a lot of my work. I hope that continues. Knock on wood. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting that it was uh, almost sounded like that was a little bit of a trick question if, if they were going to ask if Toriel was going to be in the Battle of Five, Mar- Ar- Five Armies because if, yes. if she had slipped up and said yes, then that would say, oh, then there is going to be a scene from the Battle of Five, Five Armies. Yes. Now, but it is interesting... Uh, Okay, the Battle of I, I'm thinking. I was thinking of the Last Alliance of Men and Elves because she would not have been in that because um, I don't believe there were many from uh, from Mirkwood, which would uh, which at that time was the was green the green was Greenwood became Mirkwood. Yeah. Yes, um, but uh, interesting. She you know she wasn't tricked, <laughs> so she's a she's a she's a smart elf herself. And guess what time it is. I'll bet it's time to say goodbye to our listeners. It is time. And today I thought we would leave with a little music from our friends, the Prancing Pony Players. Oh, delightful. I am certainly hoping hoping that with um, the uh, Comic-Con coming up, maybe they will revise the Prancing Pony Players and we'll get to see some of them. And they'll um, have some, some new wonderful songs for us. But this is from their little CD. And this is The Crazy Little Ring of Power performed and rewritten by the Prancing Pony Players. So please stay tuned. Coming up in just a few minutes, the Blue and Gold Report. And after that, Rachel Ray's Cooking Accident. A with fabulous program. A fabulous program. Thank you, Heather McCoy. Heather, Heather. And here is the Prancing Pony Players. This ring of power I just can't handle it This ring of power Ring, this ring, this ring of power.